0: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.
1: What would you say if I told you there's a book that can teach you how to win The Bachelor?
0: What would you say if I told you producers caught multiple finalists reading that book in this season that's currently airing?
1: What would you say if I told you the producers don't want anyone to know that their show has been compromised? How do we know all this? We wrote that book. I'm Lizzie Pace.
0: And I'm Chad Colchin.
1: We're the authors of How to Win the Bachelor and the hosts of the Game of Roses podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down all the biggest plays, errors, and MVPs in the game of reality television.
0: Listen to Game of Roses wherever you get your podcasts and go to howtowinthebachelor.com to get our book. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.
1: Hello everyone, Kathy here. A quick message before our 200th episode Aliens versus Thelma Louise <laughs> extravaganza. Um, every month over on the Cinemile High Club, which is our Patreon, we give a big chunk of our income to charity. So far we've donated to Action for Children, Choose Love, the Trussell Trust, London Irish Centre, Beauty Banks, Crisis, Birmingham and Solihull Women's Aid, Refuge and Stand Up to Racism UK. And for July, we're actually going to give 100% of our Patreon income to Childhood Trust. They're an incredible charity who support vulnerable children living in poverty in London. And they've just launched a really wonderful drive in response to the COVID crisis and the impact it's having on children. Basically, what they're doing is they're match funding 94 brilliant charities that are collectively aiming to raise over three million pounds to support 100,000 children across London. So these 94 projects run by the charities will provide loving care, hot meals, fun activities, recreation, mentoring and many more brilliant activities and opportunities this summer for children who are really in need so if you sign up to our patreon before the end of june 100 of your first month's subscription will go to this wonderful charity you'll also get access to a huge back catalogue of retro movie watches and a ton of tv reviews too and there's no obligation to stick around so you can cancel anytime you want so basically what you can do is donate to a wonderful charity get loads of bonus podcast stuff and then cancel anytime you please it's basically a win-win um if you want to read more about the Patreon or the charity head over to patreon.com forward slash the Cinemile and hope you enjoy the two hundred special bye
0: hi it's Dave here this is my wife Cathy hello this is the Cinemile it's the podcast where we used to walk home from the movies and it's our 200th episodes we've been walking home from the movies for nearly 200 episodes and then not walking home from the movies (laughs) for for however long lockdown has been we've
1: been not walking home from the movies for about 10 episodes yeah. Um, and
0: it's weird but hey here we are here we are we've done 200 of these cinema episodes
1: we have um,
0: so thank you a huge thank you to all of you for going on this journey with us and taking, taking so many walks with us
1: everyone we started this podcast just over four years ago now and we love every minute of it um, it makes us very happy it's kept us saying
0: I love every minute of it sometimes you tell me I'm mansplaining and I don't really understand what I've done wrong (laughs) Uh, but I'm learning we
1: love our podcast and do you know what when you're married or you're with someone for a long time and then you've kids together and then you go into lockdown together it's really helpful to have like a fun project to take your mind off things so I highly recommend having a podcast
0: well it's like the old saying go those who podcast together stay together.
1: Yes, that's true. Yeah, um, and we had like all sorts of fantastic plans a while ago for our two hundredth episode. Like we were going to try and do a live show. We were going to do lots of fun things. Obviously, none of that's happening now because it's lockdown. Well, <laughs> there's no. You can't, <laughs> <have> <laughs> you can't.
0: guests you can't uh, have an audience. You can't um, go anywhere. And
1: there's no new movies out.
0: So we just thought, like, let's just do what we did for 150th. Because that was really fun. And you guys all liked it uh, a lot.
1: What we did for 150th was um, uh, I made Dave watch a movie that I love that he'd never seen. And then Dave made me watch a movie that he loved that I'd never seen. Worked out really well. People loved it so much that it in fact inspired what we ended up doing when we launched our Patreon last year, where we every month watch retro revu- retro movies.
0: Yeah, because we got such great feedback about yeah. that and everyone wanted more of it. So we were like, all right, we'll do more of that. And
1: here um, we are 50 episodes later.
0: And so um, we have again chosen each a movie that we've been trying to get the other one to watch uh, for years and they haven't.
1: And um, I have often tried to get Dave to watch Thelma and Louise. And and he's not been up for it, and that's fair enough because we always like have to have a consensus around what we're watching. But I only found out last week when we were watching League of Their Own for our Patreon, and it came up because Gina Davis is in it. I actually only found out a week ago that Dave has not ever seen it. Yeah, you seen, didn't know
0: I'd never seen it.
1: Like I naturally presumed that you'd seen Thelma no, and Louise, like, absolute cinematic classic.
0: So we are, so here's what I know about Thelma and Louise. The- and
1: no spoilers. If you know something spoiler, you don't say it.
0: Well, I do know how it ends because they. Well,
1: don't say that. I won't though. say it. Okay. But the um. Oh, that's a shame. But that's the problem when you haven't well, seen a classic. Like you, you always know the ending. often,
0: yeah, because classics yeah. permeate pop culture mm-hmm. to the point where um, they get referenced a thousand times. So yeah. this is a piece of uh, this is a movie that I kn- I feel like I know a lot of, about probably because of The Simpsons, and I think that happens. Uh, that's happened to me so many times uh, as I've grown older, where I've experienced a piece of pop culture after the Simpsons, after I've experienced the Simpsons parodying it, if you get me. Yeah. So like The Shining, I saw the Simpsons episode of The Shining before I saw The Shining. Uh, it's happened me a lot
1: with the simpsons as well for sure but we're not here to talk about the simpsons we're here to watch them louise we're really excited we're gonna have a bottle of wine we are gonna have takeaway just ordered a pad thai and some thai red curry pretty thrilling stuff i love
0: sharing what we're all and people, don't
1: you? for dessert this is like as good as it gets
0: in lockdown is it the mars bars it's ice mars bars ice creams yeah. yeah did you pick that you pick them up Specialed for this. I picked
1: them up special. There's four in a box so let's just say I'm having at least two. And who
0: says this is not the kind of celebration we were expecting? (laughs) There's Mars ice creams, (laughs) people. Um, 200
1: episodes we get Mars ice cream. There's Mars ice cream, there's Selma Nui's and there's Deliveroo. So how bad? Um, Right, we'll see you on the other side. (laughs) This is
0: going to be the most (laughs) low-key... Big podcast celebration. <laughs> do you know, that's we ever were even created. thinking of like
1: maybe we try and do like an Instagram live or something. And then I was like, frankly, that couldn't be fucking arsed. <laughs> Lockdown has me like that. Um, but what we're going to do after the movie is because I've picked this one. I'm going to blow Dave's mind with a series of fun facts about Helm and Louise. Yeah. So get ready.
0: And then we should also say that there are two parts to this episode. So there's a part. There's a episode two hundred A and B, so or which are both of. live right. Well, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> they're both live right now. So once you've listened to this and uh, you've rewatched Thelma and Louise, uh, you can also go to our feed and uh, I am making Kathy watch Aliens at last. <laughs> uh,
1: and let's tell everyone where you can go and watch Thelma and Louise. If like us you didn't know and we did a bit of digging, we well, yeah. rented it through YouTube.
0: No, nope. Amazon. Sorry. No, uh, yeah, Amazon. <laughs> I uh, We've rented it through Amazon. Rented so it through I, Amazon. I couldn't find... It doesn't seem to be available to stream anywhere. So okay. that's why we're watching that's it. Good. All okay. right, so we'll see you guys in two hours and a bit, it seems. Bye. Bye. Thelma. I'll get it! Thelma, haven't I told you I can't stand it when you holler in the morning? I'm sorry, doll. I just didn't want you to be late. Hey, how, how are you doing, you? little housewife? Louise. Yeah, I still have to ask Daryl if I can go. You mean you haven't asked him yet? Thelma, is he your husband or your
1: father? Thelma and Louise are going fishing.
0: How come dare I let you go? Because I didn't ask him. (laughs) (laughs) He's gonna kill you! I left him a note. (laughs) Thelma and Louise are going to catch hell. I'll have a wild turkey straight up and a Coke back, please. Thelma? Oh, what? Tell me something. Is this my vacation or isn't it? see his butt Thelma have you lost your mind I'm uh, investigator House Slocum Arkansas State Police you get your butt back here Thelma now as
1: you know we've tapped your phone what maybe you got a few too many parking tickets (sighs) Uh.
0: Thelma what happened hi we're back You're hearing the sound of an ice cream van for not partaking
1: (laughs) we want to get ice creams but it feels inappropriate to like eat ice creams whilst podcasting so we're going to leave it Uh, it's the next day the movie was awesome but quite long and this is where our premise of our podcast comes in handy right because when you're walking home from the cinema you can just record about the movie but when you're at home and you've just turned the movie off you kind of want to go to sleep a not a podcast obviously, we
0: kind of have to go to sleep because we have so little sleep, yeah, because we, we got a new baby maximum sleep. Also, <laughs> our podcast is about being out and walking, and so that's what we're going to try and continue to do, yes, in the face of pandemics and whatnot. So, we watched Thelma and Louise, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Firstly, I'm so glad, spoilers for uh. Thelma and Louise just, 1992's Thelma and Louise
1: Yeah usually we do a spoiler free bit and then we move into spoilers but I think on a movie this old it's okay
0: I think let's just spoil it um, I Are so you pleased we watched it? i so pleased I thought it was uh, it's a Kraken movie it's it's um, firstly like right so it starts and it says a Ridley Scott film and then I'm like oh yeah I, like you know what's the what's the do the Germans have a word for a fact that you know but had completely forgotten about I'm and sure they have and then you they don't have remember till it's prompted fact <laughs> yeah well I got fact inshroided when I was like oh my god yeah it's a Ridley Scott movie and then I was like whoa if I'd gone one alien back in my suggestion we'd have been doing a, du- a Ridley Scott double header yeah uh, but no we're doing James Cameron's Aliens now available when you finish this one um so, yeah, it's a Ridley Scott movie. It's a gorgeous-looking movie. It's just like this is—it's like a western, I think. It's like it's—it's it's all, um, you know, there's, it's the great American um, frontier sort of vibe. There's like canyons and desert trails and like uh, it's like dirty saloons and like uh, nasty characters. So it—and—and—and it, and, and for me, the movie. Well, first of all, like Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon are just sensational. Like, roles of a lifetime uh, for for both those women. It might be like the, Might be the best Gina Davis role I've ever seen. And I think, and that's coming off the, the the back of a League of Their Own, which was thoroughly enjoyable. But she's got a lot more to do in this movie. She's they got a they lot both more do
1: personality in this movie. There's also only bit, effectively two leads, whereas in a League of Their Own, it's a really strong. Ensemble and she shares scenes with a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and this movie is not afraid to let its leads do the work. Um, Like Ridley Scott's one of those directors who's not really, he's actually not a very showy director and he's not flashy and he's not like, he's not really an auteur either, do you know? And I mean, maybe people would disagree with me, but he's not like a Tim Burton or a Wes Anderson or where, where it's like the. you know the yeah, second you turned on a
1: movie yeah
0: it's like he's he work and he kind of works best when he's got good material because there are bad Ridley Scott movies as well let's not forget there are bad ri- Ridley Scott movies in, in amongst the, even the Alien franchise I would say Ooh. Um. so well such as what about, what about that Russell Crowe and Leonardo DiCaprio one which is pretty bad what um, was that? I can't remember the name of it. It was so bad. It was like oh. a spy thing. Anyway, um, so but he's he's just such a confident um, like director, and the so so this is movie just like has momentum and it's just like powered forward by these two performances and this sort of um, crime road trip that they end up on, which is just a one. It's just a, it's a horrifying and wonderful series of events, and it's entertaining this oh, like above all this movie is a fun watch but it's also like um and i'm sure like things this has been picked apart in uh, 28 years <laughs> since it, since it was released and people have said this better than i will but like i it, i it's clearly works as like um a metaphor for like the feminist movement or like it it's so at the beginning of this movie you've got two women one in particular who's basically in in, in a what seems like a borderline domestic abusive situation it is a men- at, le- at the very least a mentally abusive uh, situation. She's trapped in a, a horrible marriage, which she has to like ask permission to go anywhere. That's where we start. And even Susan Sarandon's uh, character, Louise, um, when when shit starts to go down after they've um, murdered that dude, they ca- they can't escape that, that uh, destiny themselves she needs to be wired money from Jimmy do you know what I mean like they're so they're basically two women in a world that's dominated by men you know like it all kick starts because of a man because a man in a bar uh, tries to sexually assault Thelma outside of Well, um,
1: he tries to rape her
0: Uh yeah he tries and to rape and it's ra- a
1: very explicit scene as well I'd forgotten how explicit that it's scene disturbing
0: was. um and 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 that's the moment that's the catalyst for them taking their destiny into their own hands when Louise decides to take that shot not out of self defense that's kind of crucial but because enough is enough and this movie is about them escaping the this trapped this world that they live in which is dominated by men and i would say um a movie that's dominated by the worst type of man like some to the point where some of these men are like caricatures. Like the guy driving the the, the truck is like he, he's absurdly He's to an extent disgusting. a caricature,
1: but I've met loads of guys like that. Yeah, no, I'm not. not, not I'm not saying it's not yeah. possible.
0: But the movie's making a point by by like what's the worst possible? Oh yeah, the movie man. becomes like you, um, could, you could.
1: It's like that. Um, if you were to imagine that you were on a crime spree, and who are the people you'd like to be? you know, crime bringing against. <laughs> and in this case, that's the guy, like, that's the guy so many women would want to blow up his tankard and it's like almost cartoonish when that happens but it's like really satisfying. And it's interesting you say, like, obviously, it's like a hugely feminist movie and when it came out in 1991, it was like they were on the cover of Time magazine and everyone was like this is going to change everything in the industry and... This is the year of the woman 1991 was called and partially because of this movie. But funnily it really changed nothing. Um it was a really successful movie with two female leads that for lots of different reasons there's like a feminist reading of it including the fact that it's about female friendship. It's not about like it, it's not about either of them finding romance. Um for example, there's like um, it's actually
0: about them escaping the the trappings of romance. It
1: is, and it's specifically like a buddy outlaw like road movie, and they're like that's their male tropes, right? All of those. So that's really interesting that it's about two women in that situation. It's got that like kind of great American dream, like uh, you know the Grand Canyons and the scenery and all of that. It feels like it feels so American, which is interesting because obviously Ridley Scott's English. Um, And obviously it's written by a woman, so Callie Corey wrote it.
0: Who won the Oscar that year. Yeah, she won the Oscar for... Like, so well-deserved. Like, the the screenplay is what drives this whole thing. But it's
1: interesting, she... Because, like, you know, the word feminist can be often bandied around as, like, a negative word. Even though all it really means is, like, equal rights for men and women. Um, So basically, while it's open to feminist interpretation and, like, all over the world people have talked about the feminism, Callie Corey actually said that it's, like it's a story about outlaws and that's how she saw it uh, which is really interesting and again like why should she bear the burden of all this feminist discussion because she wrote this one movie and Gina Davis felt similarly it's like no it's about these two women we're not speaking for all women when we make this movie and a lot of the criticism was like oh this is anti-men this is glorifying violence it's like well you don't say it's glorifying violence when it's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid like that's not (laughs) a complaint levied at them so why is it levied at this film so it's really interesting the conversations around it and like I agree with you on this being such a lovely script like there's so much um, I think the very first time we meet Delma and as friends it's just a phone call where, like, Louise works in a diner and she phones Thelma, and Thelma's at home. And they're just... I just immediately... felt like they were real friends. Like, it felt like two women talking. It was written by a woman, the dialogue. They're just having a laugh. Like, she's saying, do you want to come on a fishing trip with me? And Thelma's like, I don't know how to fish. And then she's like, well, Daryl knows how to fish, so it mustn't be that hard. So immediately you see how they see her husband, like, that he's a complete idiot, basically. And I just... I enjoyed... Like, I enjoyed everything in the setup and, like... Louise is very maternal to Thelma, which is, like, I think in a lot of female friendships, you might have one friend who, like, you just feel like is really looking after the other one, and I felt like that throughout this movie. Um, and then there's some stuff that I really like, like little, little things, like, they're very interested in how they look, which is, like, as lots of women are, so, like, there's a lot of scenes of them, like, fluffing up their hair and, like there's that scene where Louise is like putting on lipstick when she's in the desert even though they're like being chased by the police and Mm -hmm. and then she fucks the lipstick away because she realises it's ridiculous and then I love that throughout the movie Gina Davis is like drinking from these tiny little bottles of booze (laughs) like this weird kind of thing that like an old lady might do
0: and pointedly refuses to buy the better value bigger bottles yeah
1: I just like I just thought there were so many nice little touches and and then obviously we mentioned the fact that there's quite early on a scene where Gina Davis's character with Helma is is dancing with a guy in a bar, and as she says, she's like dancing with him cheek to cheek all night. And then she's in a car park and he tries to rape her, and it is a really, really distressing scene. Um and Louise comes out with a gun, gets him off her, he they start walking away, and then he says, Suck my you know what. And Louise turns around and just shoots him dead. And it's like kind of a horrifying moment. It's really shocking because he has stopped, right? So, the, uh, to Louise's point, they couldn't claim it was defence. But at the same time, you do feel like he's done this before and he'll do this again. It, it, so it, you it, feel like it's very much deserved on his end.
0: It feels like, weirdly, it feels like justice.
1: Oh, yeah, it's totally um, justice. And but, he would, but, it,
0: but it's but, outlaw justice, isn't But he
1: Exactly, so they're yeah. outlaws. And, like, he would have done it if she hadn't interrupted. Like, that was very clear from the scene. And then we kind of... Um, we kind of learned throughout the course of the film that Louise herself had been um, we were presuming rape but we're not quite told like something really bad happened to her when she lived in Texas and it really like resonates like um, you know the song singer-songwriter Tori Amos mm. she wrote a song called Me In A Gun which is a really really harrowing song about when she was raped and she actually apparently wrote it off the back of watching this movie so I can imagine it like incredibly uh, triggering and like resonating for lots of women who watched it and I feel like that moment when she shot him was like was just an individual's act in a movie but it's like very symbolic as well so I think there's so much going on in this film and then it's just so much fun like all the scenes when they like we've got um, Thelma who is very sweet and like almost naive and like very fun loving she like meets Brad Pitt and she fancies him so much and obviously it's Brad Pitt's breakout yeah, role na-
0: naturally
1: <laughs> and it, it I was reading up on it this. and um, Julia Gina Davis like was responsible for him being cast because she said when she auditioned with him she was actually like fluffing up her lines because she was so attracted to him yeah. she's like we have to cast him he was paid $6,000 for this <laughs> really, um, and he's like the absolute breakout star of as JD funnily George uh, Brad Pitt auditioned like five times for the role didn't get it um, so obviously they want, They were like interviewing... Sorry,
0: audition for what role? Get it. JD,
1: the Brad Pitt role. George Clooney auditioned for it. Oh, George Clooney yeah.
0: auditioned. I was it's saying. funny
1: now though, because I hadn't seen this movie in a while and last time I watched it, I was obviously younger and I really fancied Brad Pitt. But now watching it, I felt a bit like a lech and I didn't really fancy him because he just looked really young. Like it felt a bit wrong and he's so skinny. He's almost got like this the skinniness of like a boy who's about to turn into... A
0: <laughs> but, it, but it feels it just like it felt really letchy watching it, it. It's an interesting um, sort of development for the story, introducing his character because it comes at a point. Like I, I, I would say the point of the movie is for Thelma and Louise to go literally from point A to point B in terms of yeah, because it's on a road the way movie. to Mexico in a road movie. But their characters are going from um, t- an t- oppressed housewife and, and waitress to I um, don't get the feeling Louise is never repressed outlaws. Well, she but she kind of is she lives within the confines of of the, of society. the patriarchal she's, society she's yeah. the, kind of ready to break free to she's ready extent. to break but, free, but
1: then I love that Gina Davis is the one in the end who like kind of goes mad like like Gina Davis will just sit down in scenes and like start laughing maniacally and like it's just brilliant like she's
0: the one yeah i like I like the way the position of the balance of power between Thelma and Louise changes and their relationship to each other. Changes as the movie goes on, and and as they react to each situation. So when they murder the guy, Gina Davis retreats and into herself. Well, also because she's
1: just suffered this horrible attack. No, yes, no, and naturally, but her friend, like, <laughs> like I'd be pretty pissed off if I was with a friend who would just like killed someone, and then suddenly I was on like a crime spree.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I, I it's, I'm, I'm not saying anything. They do is is not understandable. No, no, I'm just I'm saying it's interesting. You. And while that's how she reacts to that, whereas um, Louise is like all about action, but doesn't know what to do. She just keeps saying we need to make a plan. Yeah. But but and and is kind of driving things forward without knowing where to go. And then this sort of balance of power between them shifts, where suddenly Gina Davis gets as kind of as soon as Brad Pitt comes along she begins to get a lust for life and for him well they
1: basically say she says like I finally know what sex is all about and she, her husband Daryl (laughs) she had been with him since she was like
0: 12 or something so it's kind of like her being liberated and then suddenly she's she goes even a bit further than Louise would at that point by robbing robbing the store do you you
1: think it's really interesting the way like um do you think it's really interesting the way sorry we're trying to manoeuvre a buggy here as we talk uh the way so Susan Sarandon like granted your okay granted Michael Mann brings her the money but it is her money she just asked him Michael to wire Madsen. Michael Madsen she just asked him to send her the money but then, <laughs> then, then like knowing that Brad Pitt's like a, a robber
0: well that's and leaves stupid it on the bedside table if saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023 why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile, you'll get their unlimited plan for 50% off. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash save. That's mintmobile.com slash save. Hurry. Offer ends January 15th.
1: No, but she's so naive. Like, she's only ever had one boyfriend. And, like, she's just had, like, the first and only good, like, lay of her life. So she's, like, obviously, like, totally enamoured by this guy. She wouldn't even for a second think he'd rob her. But then when he does, it completely changes her and she becomes really badass. Because I think it's, like, enough is enough. Like, now a man has stolen my money and that was our only route out of here. And I love when she goes and... She uses his lines and goes and, like, sticks up the petrol station.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> She's so good. <laughs> it's brilliant. But also it's, like, to the point of, like, their their character dynamics shifting. So, you know, you said that Louise is the maternal one and, and kind of is for a lot of the movie the one shepherding uh, Thelma and Thelma feels like she needs to be dragged along. But those, at that point in the movie, those roles switch. Um, and after they've been robbed, uh, Louise sits at the end of the bed and puts her head in her hands and says what are we going to do I don't know what to do that was my life savings it's gone and then it's it's Thelma who suddenly she takes the driving seat then I guess literally yeah, I and that. metaphorically and then she's like I know what to do and just goes and robs the place she's so in, good also in a very comical uh, way you know she uses verbatim what Brad Pitt said but it's very
1: silently done because she, Gina da- it cuts from Gina Davis And cuts to the security footage of her doing it and all the men are sitting around the table, like her husband Daryl, and Harvey Keitel, the FBI agent, and Stephen Taborowski, the FBI agent, and they're all watching it, and it it makes it funnier that we watch it through their eyes, because Daryl's like, huh? Like this is his like Yeah compliant housewife that he's used to acting in one way and she's like completely different. And I just there's so much humour in it. Like, I love when um Susan says to her look you need to phone Daryl phone home and see if he's acting funny because if he is it probably means they're on to us so tell him I phone Daryl and Daryl goes hey sweetie how are you <laughs> yeah. and she she just hangs up because she's like yeah the police are there it's just so it's like the humour is so good in the script and I do feel like it was a bit of um, a change for Ridley Scott who like if you look at something like Alien it's like you know he makes very serious movies so like I think at the time he was very well received for having like done something more comedic Uh, so yeah I think like there's just so much going on it is you can see why it's such a classic why it won the Oscar why everyone's obsessed and like yeah I get it now like um, Gina Davis I love her I'm obsessed with Gina Davis she has the Gina Davis Institute where she examines gender in media specifically because when she had kids she was noticing something that we notice all the time which is when you're watching a kids TV show right when there's well, more often than not, this male protagonist. But specifically, like, the side characters tend to all be male. Or characters that, like, don't need to have a gender are always, by default, male. And she started... Um, she actually, like, invested money in this institute and started actually analysing, got teams to analyse the data for movies. So even if, when they looked at the original Frozen movie, while well, there's two female leads most of the words spoken in the movie were actually by men because all the side characters were male um, and you like That's we were watching Finding Dory recently or Finding Nemo sorry and we were like all the fish were boys like like there was just there's no reason for it other than it's just this ma- weird gender bias that exists and the Gina Davis Institute does all that kind of research and what they needed was data so they just mined data from all these movies and there's a documentary called um, This Changes Everything and it's about like it's about Hollywood in general and and how, you know, at one point, like, in the silent movie era, there was a lot of female directors, and when it moved into the talkies, as they say, no one's quite clear on why, and maybe I've dismissed it, but, like, it became more and more male-dominated. And this documentary, this changes everything is put together by the Gina Davis Institute and they say like that you know when Thelma and Louise come out everyone's like this changes everything from now on women are going to rule Hollywood no there's like multiple examples in this documentary of like women Wonder who, Woman
0: this changes everything yeah
1: who did like these amazing jobs like women who were like The Heart Locker uh, yeah Catherine Bigelow exactly and like there's examples of women who make these huge movies that are so successful and they can never get work again and it's just because they're women so I really recommend um, you guys check out This Changes Everything but yeah, Gina Davis is awesome, and I love this movie. And now I've got lots of facts on it. Do you want to talk oh, about it? Oh
0: yes, please.
1: This is the fun facts section
0: of. I'm the just podcast. so happy that I don't have to do this. <laughs> so, so um, oh, so we do these, we do retro movie reviews over on our, our Patreon page at our bonus podcast, The Cinemile High Club at Patreon.com forward slash The Cinemile. And I'm usually the one who puts together a lot of. Uh, production and fun facts about the, the movie but Cathy did it for this one so
1: thank well, I also did it for League God of Their Own because it makes sense for the person who knows the movie better to yeah, do it Fair. and um, particularly like if someone's not seen the movie you're not going to make them research all the facts before they've seen it which would kind of kill the buzz um, so it received six Academy Award nominations one Best Original Screenplay um, Scott was directed nominated for Best Director and both Sarandon and Davis were nominated for Best Actress which is really unusual in the same movie usually one would be Best Supporting usually want to be best actress Um, well it's
0: a a very much an equal billing isn't it it is Callie Corey the
1: film screenwriter who bonus fun fact is the woman who created Nashville which for a long time was the TV show I really loved loved it just just went a bit off the rails but I love season one Um, basically she talks about the ending and she says I love the ending I love the ending and she's saying for her it's them flying away out of this world and into the mass unconscious women who are completely free from all the shackles that restrain them and have no place in this world the world is not big enough to support them we didn't really talk about the ending enough it is wonderful it's that like moment they embrace and then they just go because there's nothing left for them to do like they have been basically driven out of this world by like there's like hundred cops around them and Harvey Keitel's kind of the lone person going they're not dangerous and like I really like that Harvey Keitel was on their side but like they've been completely hounded by all these men out of this world and I just love that ending of them flying it's, it's away it's
0: beautiful in how many like like they, they, they're in a situation where there is no escape because this world that they inhabit and, and a lot of women inhabit is completely um Inescapable and domineering, like they they, they they are oppressed to to the degree where there is literally nowhere to turn. But they still just find, they find a way out of it, and they invent their own way out. And I love it. that the movie—that's just literally by escaping the world. And how and how unusual to have the um, the the death of your two lead characters be a sort of triumphant and empowering moment but that's
1: because it froze it froze with them in the air apparently there's an alternate ending where they like fell down and (laughs) And the car explodes and and, And then Harvey Keitel
0: comes out and just like uh oh I
1: love the almost like magical realism of that ending of them just like flying away and it's it's perfect it feels visually at odds with the rest of the movie because it's like you know it's cartoonish the way it happens, but I love that ending. Um, oh,
0: I love it! It's them soaring. It, it's it's really beautiful.
1: And then um, some of the kind of uh, some facts on like around how it was perceived at the time. It was accused of everything from promoting casual sex, shocker, to promoting <laughs> casual misogyny, which is kind of the male misogyny. Misandry is like the male version of misogyny. Um, oh. But it's uh, basically. Like at the time was very controversial. Like lots of people are very against this movie.
0: Like if misandry was <laughs> rife in society, then maybe I'd be like, "This is this is just <laughs> this is just hammering home."
1: Well, that's what all the incels about think, men, though. Men
0: being disgusting. But that's what all the incels snobs. think.
1: Like they wear t-shirts saying it's okay to be a man because they think the whole world's out against them. But like,
0: if you look at let's look at every other movie that was released in 1991 or 1992, and how many of them start heroic. Men. Oh yeah, it's like, and I on. don't
1: even have like the box office numbers here, but this wasn't like in any way the big box office hit of the year or anything yeah. like that. It it caused more of like a stir culturally than it like than it made at the box office. Yeah, and um, so it was Kelly Curry's first screenplay, which is pretty cool. What? Yeah, um, she spent six months writing in 1988 while producing rock videos for artists like Alice Cooper. By the way, a lot of these facts come from Mental Floss. <laughs> mental Floss, thank you for sustaining our facts over here. Um, she also wrote. Something to talk about. I haven't seen that. And Divine Sisters of the Yeah, the Divine Secrets of the Yeah, 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 sisterhood yeah sisterhood. which I have seen. Um, then she had doubts about Ridley Scott directing. Um, why? I think maybe she wanted a female director, but don't quote me on that. But he basically pointed out, but like how much he believes in strong women and the fact that he had like cast Sigourney Weaver yeah. in Alien when like that's a role that would traditionally have gone to a man. Um, oh, I told you this one already. George Clooney auditioned five times to play JD. Um and then he said when he watched Brad Pitt he was like yeah Brad Pitt was amazing um, so Brad Pitt earned $6,000 for his work in the film and just five years later he earned $10 million for his work in Sleepers so that's pretty amazing and he has credited this as like the role that gave him his career and Brad Pitt said that like he just reckons they were really desperate and he was in the right time in the wrong right place and he speaks in kind of a high pitched voice in the movie and he said it's because he was so nervous like he said he was just absolutely bricking it especially oh, really? to work with Ridley Scott and Gina Davis because like they were huge like um, and basically <laughs> as I said Gina Davis said that like um, she thought he was so cute when they said who should we cast she said the blonde one duh and she, while she did have a body double in the movie she opted to shoot her sex scene with Pat directly with Pitt directly <laughs> which we said during it, it I said it, <laughs> it I, said, oh, I it. bet she's used a body double and then we watched it and we were like no she's not and who could blame her um, so Daryl um, the, the husband who plays um, Gina Davis's husband oh my husband. god he's amazing they were engaged what's in that real life what's the actor's
0: name you don't have that do you I do the, uh,
1: Christopher McDonald. oh
0: Christopher McDonald. What he's one of those that guys he's uh, in a lot of
1: stuff but they were engaged so in real life before this. this film
0: Her, him and Gina Davis yeah before oh, she funny. met Jeff
1: Goldblum on the set of Transylvania 65000 never heard of it um,
0: wait but she met Jeff, Jeff Goldblum in The Fly many years earlier
1: well, maybe they met in Transylvania six five thousand even earlier than the flies. <laughs> Sorry, what's according Transylvania to my, six five thousand? <laughs> what and what
0: number is six five thousand, Kathy?
1: It's there, look six five thousand.
0: Oh, okay, I stand corrected.
1: Um, and Macdonald, who had since married, described the experience of acting with her as cathartic, and she was game as well. So they are quite happy to work with each other's exes. He gained thirty six pounds to play Daryl. And then when the movie came out two girls recognised him on the street and one told the other one she should shoot him. <laughs> um, well, that's, Holly not, Hunter, that's actually not very That's funny. not funny but like in jest I think. Holly Hunter, Frances McDormand, Jodie Foster, Michelle Pfeiffer, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn were all considered for Thelma and Louise. Whoa, give
0: me that list again.
1: Holly Hunter, Frances McDormand, Jodie Foster, Michelle Pfeiffer, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn.
0: And one more time and really slowly.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not doing it again. There's
0: some really uh, really good choices in there. Of
1: course. I mean like it's an give me, amazing they, movie. they they paired up? No I don't think it had got to that stage yet Alright let so let's let cast we, it from no, that list At one point Ridley Scott was signed up as producer And Foster <laughs> You're like no I have no time yeah, for this Foster and Pfeiffer were attached um, And at the time Michelle Pfeiffer actually said to him Why don't you direct it Like it hadn't really crossed his mind to do it
0: Jodie Foster could have directed this um, jo- Ridley um, Scott,
1: messed, he wanted Streep and Goldie Hawn And Streep wanted either Thelma or Louise to survive the movie She didn't want uh, no. one of them to die
0: Streep and Goldie Hawn that could work Goldie and Goldie Hawn
1: are in um, another movie together
0: so Streep as Louise and Goldie Hawn as um, as uh, Thelma the problem is they've
1: done such a good job in this movie that you could never picture someone else playing the roles like it's it's one of those
0: performances they they were also in Death Becomes Her together
1: yeah they've been on screen together Gina Davis oh wait no the Banger Sisters might have been Susan Sarandon and Goldie Hawn right I'm mixing them up Gina Davis wanted to play Louise not Thelma Davis's agency called oh. Ridley Scott Ridley, Ridley Scott every week for a year to get Davis in a room with the director so she could convince him to let her play Louise. Then she met Susan Sarandon. Pretty much the Susan the second Susan walked into the room I was, "Are you kidding that I could play Louise?" Susan was so self-possessed, so centered and together. Um, the actors weren't always sober upon Sarandon's request to do some method acting Davis admits that for the roadhouse scene we asked the prop guy do you have any real tequila because it's easier to act if we taste alcohol method (laughs) acting I love that and Michael Madsen has also said that him and Pitt smoked a few joints during filming um, Harvey Keitel stole some of Stephen Tobolowsky's lines.
0: That seems a bit lousy. <laughs> stole I his lines
1: because we'd seen Stephen Tobolowsky in the in the credits, but then we were like, God, he didn't do much. Well, now we know why Harvey Keitel stole the scenes. From and him. he was ahead
0: of Brad Pitt in the credits. That's got to be the only time <laughs> Stephen Tobolowsky, as much as I love him, is, is going to get ahead of Brad Pitt.
1: And the Grand Canyon scene was actually shot in Utah. Most of the film was shot oh. around California. Um, Susan Sarandon insisted that the ending not change. Thelma and Louise drive off a cliff at the end of Corey's original script. Sarandon told Ridley Scott that she didn't want that to change. Scott responded that while Louise would definitely die, she might shove Thelma out of the Thunderbird in the last second. Glad that didn't happen. Mm. We haven't discussed how iconic the car was.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. What is it? A Chevrolet Thunder? It
1: says Thunderbird here in my notes. Um, And that's the end of the fun fact section. It's awesome.
0: Well, so much of I mean, I said in the intro, so much of this movie... Uh, entered like pop culture lexicon and just like visual iconography like I I just like I knew her um I knew the car, I knew the shawl that Louise wears at the beginning. Like, There's a lot of like visual signifiers that I knew were Thelma and Louise without ever having seen this movie.
1: And I, we love that like, it's one of the most original selfies and that was actually the movie poster. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend Jill and I... Um, and also
0: I knew how it ended. I knew how it ended. Yeah, of course. Because um, it's, it's a brilliant ending.
1: My friend Jill and I years ago dressed up as Thelma and Louise for a fancy dress party. Picture on our socials? I mean it's not that interesting Basically we just wore Double denim And scarves And scarves around our necks And everyone knew What we were at the party Like we looked like Neither of <laughs> the women We yeah. didn't do our hair like them It was just enough That we had And that we were together If you caught one of us Standing on our own Our outfits made no sense We were just slightly badly dressed <laughs> <laughs> But I have to say The double denim Is amazing there's in the so film There's so much denim yeah. there, There's
0: a lot of denim In this movie And a lot of line dancing yeah. yeah. it's very it's very 90s. And I think it's, it's very, really
1: like I what I really admire about this film is that like it's a really hard thing to do to have such trauma in the film along with such comedy and like to bring it all together and make it feel coherent and make it n- often when a movie tries to hit hit a like a harder subject like rape or like the abuse that like the verbal abuse like Gina Davis getting from her husband and stuff like that it becomes really odd then when they do moments of comedy or when they change tack and I think it's a a real testament to the skill of Ridley Scott and to Callie Corey that that it actually works and And at no point do you feel like ooh that that didn't work for me Um, and like I I have to say it's a fine
0: needle to thread and yeah there wasn't a single moment that felt off tone or that took me out of this movie I think it's a perfect movie. I yeah. thought it was really, really great.
1: I love it. I'm so glad we watched it. Um thank you Dave for watching it with me. And you know what? Like as soon as we sat down to watch it and it was on, Dave was like almost immediately I can see why this is a classic. Like it just has that feel about it, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think a lot of it is that like, you know, to have cars driving through the road and like the dust behind them and the sunset and like all the visuals of just it feels like an old time outlaw classic like he's tapped into that feeling wonderfully i think like it's it's a really beautiful movie there's
0: rarely does it and even the like the the fashion doesn't even besides the denim and the and, and bits of that to your point about it being timeless n- nothing really dates this movie even besides you know there's a couple of moments of like a giant 4-3 tv and things like that but it feels it feels like it just exists out of time it feels like it could be right now like it because they're just driving through a desert for a lot of this And you can
1: like all the characters are very well-rounded like um i thought anyway that like even like the husband daryl who's like a complete oaf i felt like i believed him um and i felt like even like the guy the the would-be rapist like he was fleshed out very quickly with a few lines from this very well-written waitress who, when Harvey Keitel shows up and says like who do you think did it? She's like well have you asked his wife? And like immediately we get this picture painted of him yeah. being a very horrible man, and um, like the woman's implying that actually it could have been loads of people, and it's such a shame for Delma and Louise that like they nearly could have gotten away with it, except that like someone had identified their car as leaving the, leaving the parking lot. Like you feel like there's an alternate life for them where. They could have just been on their way. I know, but and it's like of, it happily ever after. But then
0: the movie wouldn't happen. And like the, when the they're fantasizing
1: about going to Mexico, you're like, "Oh, I know you're not going to get yeah, there, but I want you to get to Mexico."
0: That's when you know the movie's working when you want them to succeed. And the char- you're right though the characterization in this screenplay is just like for for a debut writer is just insane. Like to the nuance, like to have Louise's character have this past in Texas that's weighing over her decisions to the point where she can't even drive through that state and yet they when it's to make, the most direct path. They
1: managed to make humor out of it. Like basically tell them was like we cannot get to Mexico from where we are without going through Texas. And like that's really funny, but then at the same time we know it's really sad because there's a real reason she doesn't want to go there. Uh so yeah.
0: But but also they never tell the the the, the, the movie's confident enough to never tell you. Well, what G- Gina happens.
1: Davis does say like that this happened, to you didn't it? But but as like I'm not.
0: It's implied. Like, it's I'm implied, but I think a weaker script would just call it out and give yeah. you a flashback.
1: Yeah. Right? Um, I'm so happy. Like I'm so happy we watched it. Honestly, it made me like. It's just I found it a joy to watch, and I love watching those two women. And I love that last weekend we watched a league of their own, so we're on a Gina Davis <laughs>
0: binge. <laughs> yeah. So she's now we need great. To, she's I mean, so it, good. It just makes it does make you think of that Family Guy joke where. Stewie and Chris are up late one night, and there's silence. And then he says, "Chris, whatever happened to Gina Davis? <laughs> well, she used she went to off. act in movies, and Do you now she's she in movies. She act.
1: had children, and now she has an amazing institute yeah. where she educates people on gender differences." She and also- I know it's a very,
0: it's a very um, dismissive thing to, to 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 sort of joke about and and, and laugh at, but the but 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 from you know she did disappear from the public eye for a long time she did and, but was, also, and was missed
1: actors also is, age out like Hollywood favours young people and yeah, particularly Hollywood favours younger women so it's just it's just an actual fundamental truth that there are very few roles for older women in Hollywood
0: It sounds. she it was sounds actually in
1: like, Grey's Anatomy for uh, she had quite a big role in Grey's Anatomy as a regular guest star for a while um but you know what? She's busy. Like she's probably got better things to do than no, play exactly. like shit rolls and No, in totally. Movies. And
0: I think it's awesome that she like made so much of an impact, you know, in front of the camera, and then is like did even more from behind the scenes. Yeah. Over so many years, uh, so like.
1: She's amazing. Absolutely incredible. Love her. Um, right, we need to go because it's really hot, and we're walking around with this poor child in a buggy who's asleep. Yeah. asleep luckily for him.
0: So again, uh, thank you all for <laughs> for listening to us. 200 times um, we absolutely love doing this podcast and we couldn't do it without anybody listening know, to us well we you. probably would anyway but it makes it all the more worthwhile so we absolutely love you guys we love talking we actually forged great um, relationships with so many of you so over so many, over many the of years. you like
1: people have been like you might not realise but like the same people like often tweet us and email us and message us and we like oh look we got another email from this person like we're we're delighted like we think it's so much fun um, and we love interacting with everyone we can't believe people still listen to the podcast after 200 episodes particularly when we can't go to the cinema uh, so we are slightly bending the premise of the podcast these days but everyone's doing that so in a way it makes it like more palatable, I think. If we had just suddenly stopped going to the cinema completely for no reason, it would be quite weird. But there's a reason. Um, so, so
0: we wanted to say thank you, yeah. and um, if you, if, and do just keep in touch with us. Uh, you can talk to us at the Cinemile on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. You can email us thecinemile at gmail dot com, and we love getting emails, and we always write back to everyone. So, a bit delayed lately, sorry, um, <laughs> and. uh and yeah, we lo- uh, so we we're going to continue doing this and uh, there's another episode awaiting you if you haven't already listened to it uh, which is James Cameron's Aliens right now on your podcast feed.
1: And this is the beauty of podcasts. We haven't recorded it yet but it's there for you when you hear this. <laughs> Shut
0: up. <laughs> okay, bye. All right, bye. Okay then, listen. Let's not get caught. What are you talking about? Let's keep going. What do you mean? Go. You sure? Yeah. 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 Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Jesse Cruikshank, and I've always been told I have a face for podcasting. So I launched a podcast. It's called Phone a Friend because each week I'll break down the biggest stories in pop culture. But when I have questions, I get to phone a friend. I'll phone a royal watcher to find out why Prince Harry is acting like a real housewife. I'll phone a tween to please explain euphoria. And maybe I'll even phone a backstreet boy to find out if I still have a chance. I don't? Okay. New episodes drop every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.